0: Me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for Sucker The number one award seeking comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw.
1: Yes, it is me, Mark Hershaw, and this is Epi. 81 of Suckatash the comedy podcast podcast and I am not alone this week. That's right. Joining me to co-host Epi 81 on Skype all the way from up Seattle way is our associate producer Tyson Saner. Tyson, welcome to the
2: show. Thank you. It's great to be here uh, and or there at the same time.
1: Other than the fact I played uh, your holiday greeting that you called into the Succotash hotline back around Christmas time. This is the first time we've had, heard, had a chance to hear the voice of Tyson Sainer on the show. Very exciting. Oh,
2: yeah. I suppose that's true. I mean, not that it's exciting, but that it's, uh, you know, uh, that this is only the first time or the... That's true. And that, it sounded probably a lot like this. But it, it, goes, did. <laughs> <laughs> it did
1: a little bit. But uh, the good the thing is, we, we benefit from uh, all the wonderful things you do for the show in supplying us with clips. So uh, your benefits are heard every week, even though your voice is not. But it's a treat to have you co-hosting the show with me. I haven't done a co-hosting show, I think, since Chris from Podcrash. Chris Gore? Chris Gore. I think that's the last time I did a co-hosting show, so it's a, a treat to have you with us. First co-hosting show of the year, but not the last. I have several others already lined up. So, Tyson, tell us a little bit about about you. I mean, you're obviously—you uh, started out, um, as far as I'm concerned, listening to Succotash and then uh, had some podcasts you wanted to bring to, to our attention, and— um, uh, you start sending them in, but uh I understand because uh, we have several podcast friends in common that you're no stranger to podcast land.
2: I was doing the uh YouTubing uh the YouTube channel for combat radio uh mm-hmm. for Mr. Ethan Dettenmeyer. It was uh, probably a little over a year ago now, um maybe a year and a half ago, that um you were going to be a guest on the show and um I had uh, let's see. I had heard, I'd heard the interview, and then I remember Ethan telling me he'd, he'd like me to cut a, like you know some audio, put to put together for the uh. the our YouTube, our YouTube site. And I was like, yeah, okay, that sounds good. And then I listened to it, and then I was like, you know, let me give this second time show a listen. All right. Then, <laughs> and, uh, this is a while ago now, and uh, what I normally do with uh, by podcasting listening is I'll usually listen to the uh, most recent episode, and then I'll listen to the first episode to get an idea of how mm. far it's come along or anything like that. And then if I really like it, I'll just go back to the beginning and uh, start listening all the way up through. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the episode. Uh, the, all the episodes. I enjoyed the show as a thing. I was like, I could really get used to this. And I, I love the variety show aspect of it. I mean, the that there's sketch work, there's there's work put into your show. That, there's a lot of work put uh, into it, or at least what it sounds like a lot of work.
1: It, it is a lot of work, and that you know that's the funny thing because when I first started doing Suckatash, a lot of people were going, "Man, you really picked an easy thing to do for a format, just playing clips of other people's podcasts." I said, "You have no idea how hard." That
2: was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and I do all the voices too. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Uh, it's
1: uh, it's it, it is more it is more labor intensive than I intended it to be because uh, I essentially. I figured it would be the lazy man's podcast, but I've discovered having to listen to podcasts and clip it and, and then assemble everything. It is, it is a lot more difficult than I'd originally envisioned.
2: <laughs> I can, I can, actually, I picked up on that right about the time you started recording in your car going back and forth <laughs> to venues. Uh, cause you actually mentioned like, you know, well, you know, there's this, you know, we all do this podcasting thing. And you know, a lot of people think, uh, there must be some kind of, grand amount of money in it but no, we're doing it out of love and you know it sometimes it gets noticed sometimes it doesn't and i was, I was listening i'm going yeah you know uh maybe i should send in a couple of clips uh, just to see if you know yeah. if uh if they get played if nobody's sending any clips damn it then i should probably send in clips and it's not that nobody was obviously people had been um at this point but i figured you know just a couple more in the uh you know maybe one gets into a show or fills in that gap and then uh then kind of started sending them on the regular. Uh, which has been great. That's that's what appeals to me about sarcetation in general because it has turned me on to so many podcasts I wouldn't have even known existed if I hadn't started listening.
1: Well, you know, it's funny. I was I've been trying to think. I do end up playing a lot of podcasts from overseas because I enjoy them, but it's also because they're the ones who've been responding. And because of the way that um, I generate the tweets for this show, it, it basically goes out every two hours, 24 hours a day. And I'm realizing now that there are people in England and Australia and whatnot that are seeing tweets from here in the middle of their day. And I think people that don't automate their tweets are kind of losing out on that international crowd. That's resulted in getting a lot of both clips and mentions from from people all over the world, which is really sort of uh, amazing, interesting, flattering, uh, and a little bit mind-boggling.
2: I mean, I didn't know what a podcast was until I'd seen uh, – I think I uh, had spoken to you or written something to you about uh, a video podcast that I found on uh, Revision 3 – which is a site that deals with movies and game technology completely by accident. Like, Mm -hmm. I just uh, found it by accident, and then I was like, oh, they have an audio version too. Well, that doesn't sound that fun. Um, (laughs) Just listening to the – because most of the show is visual, and then I did listen to one of them audio-wise. I'm like, oh, this actually does work as an audio format. Uh, and that was actually where I'd heard about uh, – then I'd heard that there were other podcasts out there, and that's kind of how I started on the road to listening, to uh, finding podcasts to listen to on the regular.
1: Uh, it's, yeah, I mean it's definitely a medium that's on the rise. I mean the numbers go up every year, and people that – generally when they find them, they, they first they find the 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 medium itself. And then they start looking for the things that they like. And pretty soon, uh, you know, it's just like having a favorite radio show or TV show. You know, Mm -hmm. they, they listen to them when they work out. They listen to them at work. They do whatever. And it's amazing with a podcast that typically is going to be a half hour or an hour long that you can fill up your week with basically fresh... Entertainment. You're not just listening to one podcast. It's almost like sitting down in front of the TV. And if you're sitting in a cubicle somewhere, you can sometimes get you know three, four, five hours of entertainment and not hear the same show. Uh, so that's a, that's covering a pretty broad spectrum.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's great for filling in. Uh... Like I imagine, uh, there are types of jobs that even lend themselves to being able to listening to a podcast because it's not disruptive to what they do. Like say graphic design or something, where a person can literally like they could do the you know they know the physical part of it by memory, take you know drawing the lines and connecting and painting and stuff, and they'll have to stop occasionally to concentrate. But it's something that can literally they could be doing more than one thing at once and without interrupting the workflow. So it's perfect for that kind of uh, consumption. So the absorption.
1: Yeah, you know, I think the uh, another fascinating thing is that most podcast interviews these days aren't the sort of interviews we're used to seeing on like a late night talk show where the guy comes out and he's got an agenda. There's a movie to plug or whatever, and you know, there's been a pre interview and he knows what the questions are going to be, and it's seven minutes long, and then you go to the commercial. You know, people are hearing conversations, one hour, hour and a half, uh, Joe Rogan show. You're listening to a three hour show and it, it's a much more sort of human interaction we're listening to. Uh,
2: oh yeah. Very raw.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes some surprising information comes out because people start to relax because they're a lot of times they're not in a radio station situation in a podcast. They're sitting comfortably. Uh, There's a microphone in front of them, usually somewhere. Um, You know, if they're in Mark Maron's garage, they're in a garage.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Or or Jay Moore's show is in his uh, quote-unquote fake mustache studios. It's in his garage, which I hear is very nice. Never seen it. Um, That's right. And uh,
1: as you pointed out, a lot of my shows happen in uh, my car uh, in Studio F. But when I do have guests in town, I actually do use Studio P. Uh, and that is a, I mean, it's a recording studio, but it's in someone's house. So even there, you don't get this intimidation factor of, wow, my voice is going out to millions of people right as I'm speaking. Uh, oh, so, good. so I think it allows people to relax and kind of kick back and, and, you know, they're allowed to swear. There's no restrictions on what they say. Um, so mm. it is a different experience. Uh, one of the first ones that, that caught my eye or my ear was, uh, the chill pack Hollywood hour. Oh, yeah. Uh, really, because I, I knew Dean a little bit. He'd been doing some stand-up in the San Francisco area, and he said, yeah, I do this podcast. So I I downloaded it and started listening to it, and I, to me, it was like I'd never heard one before. And I go, this is really cool. These guys are kind of free forming in it, and they're they obviously there's a format to this, but mm-hmm. it's, they're not really kind of sticking to it <laughs> very religiously, and they're having a lot of fun. And from there, just like you with your experience, I started going, wow, I, you know, I looked at the the podcast director. I go, man, there's a lot of these things, but uh, Tyson, damn it. I'm glad you are a listener and to become our associate producer. Let's, uh, you know, what? let's get into things. We'll find out a little bit more about you as we go. You're going to be with me to the bitter end of episode 81. I'm glad you're here. You brought some clips to share from podcasts that you enjoy. So that'll Mm -hmm. be a different flavor for people. We'll be playing some clips that I've found from podcasts that, well, some of which I enjoy, some of which were sent in, and some of which I just feel I need to play podcasts. And some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. And people should be allowed to hear the entire spectrum, I think,
3: at this point. Hi, this is Paul Mercurio from the Paul Mercurio Podcast. You're listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast, 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 hosted by Mark Hershon. Who, by the way, hosted Not Wearing Pants. So enjoy that image. I only have 20 seconds here, so I hope I'm not running out of time, because I'd really be bummed out if this thing cut me off all of a sudden, because that would really be obnoxious. But, you know, you never know. I don't know how long 20 seconds is. But uh, if I say minutes, I have 20 seconds.
1: Um, I first wanted to thank Rachel Eaton and the folks over at Stitcher On Demand Radio, by the way. You know, they invited me to attend the second annual Stitcher Awards last week right here in San Francisco. I went there. I saw the entire show. It was uh, less than two hours, actually. And then they played really loud music, and I left because it, <laughs> it was at this hip hip nightclub in the Mission District here called The Chapel. Uh, and as, literally, as soon as the show was over, they said, okay, now we're going to have music. And they played this music that was just – I was trying to have a conversation with Jeff Ulrich from uh, Earwolf Radio or Earwolf.com. Uh, and I literally – we looked at each other and we said – we don't understand what's happening. We we cannot have, I cannot network with these people. Um, so I left, but uh, I did see the awards. Um, and let me do this really quick. I said, I'm going to run down the list of uh, all the categories and say who won uh, just because it feels like I'm part of podcasting uh, for business and finance marketplace podcast for comedy, comedy, bang, bang won that category. Um, there was a, uh, Uh, One of the other nominees we're actually going to play a clip from a little later in the show. And these two guys actually came all the way out from Orlando, Florida, only to find out that they did not, in fact, win, which is kind of sad. Best Food and Wine Podcast went to Alton Brown. And I I had gotten a tweet from somebody who knows Alton who says, hey, tell Alton we said hello. And then it turns out Alton didn't come out to get his award. Uh, He didn't even come out to California. Uh, Best Technology Podcast went to Pocket Now. The best science and medicine podcast went to Star Talk. Best sports commentary went to NFL Around the League podcast. The best entertainment and pop culture podcast award went to Hollywood Babylon. Best inve- investigative reporting, Planet Money. Best health and lifestyle, Savage Lovecast. Best education and learning went to Freakonomics. The best storytelling went to The Moth. Award for best original show went to Welcome to Night Vale, which has been man, people love that show. Have you heard that one yet, other than the clips I have played?
2: Other than the clips, no. But I, it is one of those that I have subscribed to, so I can. If I get to it in the future, I'll be able to listen to it.
1: Uh, it's a it, first of all, it's only it only runs like half an hour long, so it's pretty short, um, and it's uh, it's very entertaining, and it's really you know caught. Uh, a lot of interest. You know, they're doing a. they just finished a live West Coast tour. Uh, they've got a book coming out next year. I mean, these people really have their crap together and they're not they're not take, they won't take advertising. You know, they, they'll take donations. They'll take people, um, you know, giving them like regular monthly donations. But they do not want advertisers, which is amazing because uh, they could <clears throat> they could be making a lot of money, I think, from that. Uh, best interview of the year. The award went to Mark Maron and his Dave Grohl interview. The Best Society and Culture Podcast went to Slate's Culture Gab Fest. Best Music Commentary was All Songs Considered from NPR. The Beat News and Politics went to the BBC World Update Daily Commute Show. Best Games and Hobbies went to Good Job Brain. Best News Show was a podcast called What Say You? And the Best Overall Show Award went to the Joe Rogan Experience. There's a little thing inside me that gets miffed of these radio shows that are turning themselves into podcasts and bringing their their audiences with them. I mean, it's perfectly fair. Perfectly fair. It just feels a little smarmy to
2: me. (laughs) I remember when that was just called archiving.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And now they're finding their audience. So good for them.
2: Um, I have actually heard. Uh, well, I've heard Joe Rogan experience a few times. I generally seek out specific people to listen to with the, who are on there because he does them three times a week, so there's plenty of shows. Yeah, and, and
1: I, I consider him a comedy podcast. Uh, my, you know, my my spectrum of comedy podcasts is not just podcasts that are funny, but um, podcasts that are hosted by comedians mm-hmm. or podcasts that have guests as comedians. Um, so things like. Um, Alec Baldwin's podcast, he oftentimes is not talking to comedians, and he's not necessarily a comic himself, but when he does have a a comedian on, it generally gets quite funny, so all of a sudden, to me, that becomes a comedy podcast. Uh, Pack Hollywood. I regard as a comedy podcast because Dean Hagelin's a comedian. Uh, Mm. Do do they always do comedy? No. Uh, Does it get funny? Frequently. Uh, Could it be classified as a comedy podcast per se? Probably not, but in this book, in our book, in the Suckatash book, it's a comedy podcast. And in fact, this week's clip from CHH features them thanking me for catching a big old audio snafu in a recent episode.
4: Uh, we do want to thank, as always, of course, uh, the Talk Superstation yes. for uh, not Mary. only airing our show but promoting our show. And uh, we really want to thank uh, Mark Hershon uh, from Suckatash not only <laughs> yeah. for excerpting our show and promoting the show lovely but also for getting in touch with us to let us know about the audio problem after the audio <laughs> problem uh because again last week i'm not gonna say when uh, what computer but maybe this Someone laptop phone stopped phone. Uh, recording at the 50 minute mark or something like that 47 yeah. minutes and then we re-recorded or not re-recorded but we, we then continued the, show. the final yeah. 13 minutes and we did so in mono <laughs> without realizing it and uh Mark was kind enough to point that out. To point it out, uh, shortly after the show was available, You're I don't want to fin- say Mark Hershon's got nothing going on because he <laughs> he has a lot going on. Don't kid yourself. But, but... Uh, top of that to do list each and every Monday apparently is to QC the latest installment of your chill pack Hollywood Hour. So Mark Hershon, we thank you. We salute you, <laughs> and we thank you. Right. And uh, quite frankly, there's a succotash mug in your future. What?
5: <laughs> what?
3: I don't know. No, that, that's the artist Succotash book. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's our Succotash book. Yeah. We use it as a loving cup. Picture <laughs> right. that. I know. At I the end know, but... of every episode, <laughs> the champagne flows from that cup. It is celebration of another show successfully recorded.
1: Oh my God. Hey, we podcasters have to help each other out, right? I mean, am I right? I mean, you're, you're now, you are a podcaster now, Tyson. I mean, you're the associate producer of Succotash. Uh, you do a lot of audio work for um, for combat radio uh, and you, you may be helping a half a dozen other shows that i don 't even know about by the way. I did no background check on you before I hired you as my associate
6: hey, <laughs>
2: <I'm> sorry <laughs> that 's a good point yes uh no, well, thank you so much by the way for making it um, official i uh, I would completely was not expecting any kind of <laughs> any kind of recognition when I got into this more than just you know the obvious polite thank you and it has come turned into more so i i am greatly appreciative of uh of uh being included in the uh gosh I don't know the cast everything whatever the whatever
1: you are you' part of the cast and uh people that listen to the the closing credits we've i've had bill haywat cut a new closing credits for the show after a year of having the same one and uh, Tyson is now mentioned in the closing credits so it's uh, great to have you as uh, as part of the crew officially um, you know what let's um, mm. uh, as the show moves along here it's uh, it's time to get into
0: the 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100
6: Comedy Podcast League
1: All right. So I told you the uh, who the the big Stitcher Award winners were this year. But what about who has been scuttling up and down that comedy top 100 list this last week? I don't know if anyone enjoys this feature, Tyson. (laughs) I've never had anybody other than the fact um, uh, Ed Wallach is the one who suggested that I do this instead of the top 10, because as we know, the top 10 never really moves around very much. Right. Um, so i 've been doing this for over a year now this uh this most act, ten most active, and I enjoy the hell out of it. I have no idea if anybody else likes it, but to me it it actually it showcases a lot of titles i 've never heard of before, so it seems yeah. seems to have some merit. There wasn't a whole lot of motion in terms of big swings this last week. I assume because most of the Stitcher people were involved in the awards and weren't out there sort of charting things. But uh, I'll go through the top uh, the top ten most active right now. At number nine, Smodcast, Tell em Steve Dave uh, is up six places and has gotten into the top ten. So there's some oh. movement into the top ten, which is nice. Uh, at 30, I have to go down... Uh, um 21 places to find the next one that's moved that much. The Brian and Jill show has lost seven spots. And I've never even heard of them, so I don't know how they got up there that high without me mentioning them, but they are now down seven places. At 37, FitzDog Radio is up five places, and we have a clip from FitzDog coming up later on this show. At 52, Keith and the Girl Comedy Talk Show is down eight places. You know, they're pretty um consistent. And I think a lot of these shows drop some points because uh, the show, you know, it runs its, its gamut of having been on for a week or so. And then as soon as the next new episode comes on, up it goes again. Uh, at number 60, A Mediocre Time with Tom and Dan. That is up seven places. That's the show I talked about uh, that Tom and Dan came to the award show and then were shut out. But we'll be playing a clip from them uh, this week. So their trip to San Francisco wasn't without some, uh, some good thing coming of it. At at 72, uh, Jim Florentine's Metal Comedy Midgets is up five places. At 73, Righteous Prick (laughs) is up seven places. Another show I've not heard of yet, Righteous Prick, but we may have to get a clip from that soon. Uh, At 85, Lightcast is down seven places. Lightcast is a relatively new show, and they've made major strides. I'm not sure how they got into the top 100 uh, they've been in there for a while. They're down seven places to 85, but they're still doing quite well. At 94 Smodcast, another Smodcast show, Feeb, uh Four Eyes and Beard is up 20 places. So they've jumped back up into the top 100. And at 90, 97, never not funny, Jimmy Pardo is uh, down 12 places now. Um, that's a great show, Jimmy Pardo, mm-hmm. Pardo Show. So uh, glad to see that they've been up in the top 100. They're still up there. And... Um, they, you know what? They, uh, one of the things that's I think attributing to them getting more popular is they finally have basically started to abolish their uh, paid subscription because they are going to be. I think they're an airwolf now, and their show is free.
2: Uh, uh, the podcast?
1: Yes, the podcast part- oh, is free, uh, or is going to be oh, wow. free later this month. I think it may have already started. Shows you how well informed I am. Uh, so that's our top 100 most active, but I will say that Succotash continues to climb on the Stitcher charts. This week we have hit number 5107, Ooh. which is up over 900 places since last episode. <laughs> yep, 900 places. And that's your...
0: The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher top
6: 100 comedy podcast league.
2: I do like that. I like the jingle a lot.
1: Thank you. I asked uh, Joe Polino to make that for me, and uh, he said, it seems kind of long and awkward. I said, that is exactly the point. Uh, <laughs> this week, by the way, I'm reviewing The Nerdist with their guest, BJ Novak from The Office. That, that review is up on This Week in Comedy Podcasts over on splitsider.com right now, so go check it out. There will also be a link on this show's blog at succotashshow.com, so you can go hear that uh, or go read that review. If you will. All right. So without further ado, let's get into the clips for this episode. Okay, Tyson. Okay. Along the way, we're going to find out more about what makes you tick because Succotashians want to know. And we're even going to play a little bit later, uh, some of your music. How about that?
2: Oh, that'd be awesome. I appreciate that.
1: Absolutely. So let's start out with a couple of your clips because they are related, uh, the yes. first, the first one is the original Smodcast from uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier. Uh, this is from episode fifty-six, dating back all the way from July tenth, two thousand and eight. And what do you want to tell us about the Smodcast?
2: Well, it's uh, it is. Let's see. It was the show that I had heard about. Um when uh, I, w- I had discovered the Totally Rad Show, the videocast, and they had mentioned that Kevin Smith had a podcast, and I was like, oh, good. Uh, this should be interesting because uh, I'm a fan of um, his movies, but I'm also a fan of movie commentaries. And I found that his were always really entertaining, especially if Scott Mosier was involved because Scott – they're so opposite in, in – um, in, in, uh, in, uh tone? To, tone. Yeah, absolutely. Kevin's very outgoing and loud and, uh, well, not, not loud. Kevin's very outgoing and, and verbal and Scott is very is, <laughs> withdrawn. Quiet and cerebral. Yeah. So so like, uh, uh, listen, I did the thing I normally do where I listen to the most recent one and I go back and start listening to the first one. And I was caught up in a very small amount of time. And I love the dynamic because a lot of it is uh, Kevin coming up with uh, kind of essentially improv situations without really calling it that. Like they'll read some news stories and then Kevin will say, well, what do you imagine would happen if we were put in that situation? And Scott's very literal and also very sub- subdued It was, you know. And yeah. uh, as the show has progressed over the years, Scott's really come out of a shell. They started doing live podcasts, which really hadn't been, as far as I know, done uh, that much. Um,
1: yeah, and I actually, uh, I actually caught them in San Francisco uh, doing oh. one. And they, have a, they were at a giant theater downtown, and the place was packed. I mean, they definitely have an amazingly loyal li- listenership.
2: Oh yeah absolutely and uh so this particular clip this episode was um it was called and now a word from our sponsor, which really only refers to like the first fifteen twenty minutes of the of the episode and it, it's uh, Mos- Moser is just uh, coming to the studio from uh, dealing with having been in a car accident and then there's uh the clip that i was that played is just the tip of the iceberg because the situations that kevin imagines for scott to be put in just get more and more bizarre as the episode continues and it's one of the funniest uh it's really one of the ones that really said you know i don't think i'm ever going to stop listening to this until i have like 700 other podcasts to listen to <laughs>
7: Did you exchange insurance information? Yeah. Um what was the dude that you had to interact with like It was, he was fine? Yeah. It wasn't like No. Um Everyone was very like friendly and, and yeah, it was kinda over. Would have been a better story if you were like, and then this motherfucker started yelling at me. Yeah. What well, I related uh, the story to you already and you know it. I know, I know, but you wanted me. to lead with it and I never gave you anything. I did. I was I don't just, want to embellish or make it bigger cuz what if they like play this in court <laughs> like your honor, I, <laughs> uh, I Exhibit number 1. Exhibit A. <laughs> <laughs> um what what would you do if the dude was hostile, got up in your grill? You mean if he like if he was just yelling at me? Yeah. If he was just yelling at me, I would just sort of try to deflect it. I wouldn't fit. In what way? Let's play it out. I'm the guy. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm the guy you hit from behind. Okay. You're you. Okay. And action. What, what the fuck? Buddy? Did you see the, did you see the guy? All I saw was you in my rear view mirror coming up from behind, swerving from behind at me. Yeah. Don't you know how to fucking drive, asshole? I do know how to drive. I was trying I to I don't avoid think so. You. Jesus Christ. Look at this. Look at my car. <laughs> Look at my car. Your car. You look at your fucking car. It's all your fault. All right. <laughs> okay. Don't all right me. Okay. Fucking say something. I am saying something. I said okay. I'm just a, mo- I'm a little <laughs> hot under the collar. I know. It's not. Nobody wanted this. I. This car is my life. I, I. You know. I can tell that you're really connected to your car. I just wish it hadn't hit me. I do too. I. Why'd you hit me? I you know some people like working yeah, themselves yeah. back up into a ladder. Why'd you hit me? I was trying to avoid you. The guy two guy, two cars in front, stopped for some reason. Oh, so it's someone else's. It's always someone else's fault, isn't it? Um, fucking typical SCP, somebody else's problem. Well this is your fucking problem, buddy. Like I said. <laughs> I uh You wanna fight? Not really. Are you a, are you a smart guy? No. So you're a dumbass. Sure. You must be, because you hit my. I'm gonna put your fucking teeth down your throat. Why? <laughs> <laughs> that ain't him. That was me. All right, I'm him again. Why? Yeah, why? Look what you did to my car. You hit me. I understand. You hit me. I clipped your car. This ain't a clip. You call it a clip. It's a minor dent in your. How about car. I clip you in your fucking eye? I mean, I don't know, I mean, I don't want- Let me punch you in the face, I'll feel better. No. Chest? No. Arm, really hard. No, it's not gonna make you feel better. It might? No. I'm very aggressive. It won't. My adrenaline's flowing, I gotta hit something. Then you, you know, hit my car, go punch my car. You hit my car, that's why I wanna hit you. I know, but you- Just let me punch you. No. Why not? Because it's not gonna make either of us feel better. It won't, I won't do- I won't do your face, I'll leave the face. Let me just give you one body punch. No. Who you fucking Houdini? You can't get hit. If, hey, if, I'll, I'll make you a deal. All right. If you want to hit me, hey, you know what? Fuck your deal. <laughs> all right, go ahead, make a deal. If you want to hit me, then pay for all the repairs of my car. You hit me. I am just saying that, like, you know. There's I'm a gonna boy- hit you for saying that. Now I owe you two hits. <laughs> okay. If you feel you. What need do you want, a to- motherfucker? I don't, I don't want I'm any winding hits. up. I'm gonna throw a haymaker. It's you. you know what a haymaker is? Yeah, it's like a big wild punch. <laughs> <laughs> it is a big. You don't laugh at me. It's a huge wild punch. No, I understand. I'm a windmill at you. I'm not. I'm not really interested in fighting. I can fight. I. I. I you seem very. You know. I'm willing to excellent fight. Pugilist, way to go. Pugil- <laughs> pugilist. I'm just gonna I'm, gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna fucking kill you. That's not gonna help. You win your insurance claim. Don't you get all zen and calm on me? I want you just. I'm to not. I'm trying on. to help you out with like. Help this me out. Help let me punch your you in insurance the insurance claim. One, one punch. i not, not going to help the situation if you decide. I don't even to know why me. I'm asking. I should just punch you in the fucking face. Because you know that you're not supposed to. That's why you're. you're you know. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> Who said bedroom three right window? Um. So that would be my initial line of defense. So Who are you I'm, talking to? I'm talking to Kevin Smith. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> Sorry. We're in a fucking, we're on the 101. I don't see any Kevin Smith. It's just you and me, buddy. I know. And the cop that's coming. Oh, there's a cop coming? Yeah. Wow. All right. You're lucky the cop's coming. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm a lucky dog. And scene. Had you heard the episode
1: by any chance? Uh, I had not heard, I mean, I just heard your clip. I did not hear the actual whole episode. No. Uh,
2: if you get a chance the entire episode is actually pretty funny. Once, uh, once the whole, uh, pretty much everything after this, uh, this clip uh, is, uh, just an, ex- a, not acceleration, but a, uh, just progression of, okay. you know, stakes, stakes get higher and weirder. Scott gets more comfortable. <laughs> okay. He's, good. He's so Zen that he just deals with it. And, uh, it's, I, don't know. I find it, I, it's my type of humor. I find it
1: funny. Good. Well, they um, that you can find uh, a lot more of, of the same, including that original episode at smodcast.com, uh, And they are they're sort of taking podcasting by storm. They have so many shows up at the Smodcast network. Uh, in fact, let's uh, let's uh, go to your second clip, which is actually from uh, a show called Edumication and features Kevin Smith. That guy works awful hard for a pothead. I got to tell you, Kevin Smith and Andy McElfrish. Um, is that how you pronounce his name? That is, yes. Okay. Uh, so, what, what, uh, what can you tell me about uh, about edumacation?
2: Well, edumacation is actually, um, to me at least, it's very similar in some ways to. There's a panel show in um, in Britain uh, uh, on the BBC. Well, it was on one of the BBCs, anyway. Uh, it's hosted by Stephen Fry and his co-host, or his uh, yeah, it's always Alan Davies, and then there's usually three comedians usually comedians but sometimes British celebrities and occasionally in a you know like the first uh, series had uh, Rich Hall on it so he's okay. he's an American comedian obviously and um it's it's uh, factoids and stories and um the kind of challenging what we have what what some of us grew up thinking just sort of taking for granted like the idea that the earth has one moon when <laughs> Stuff like that that you would never think, well, of course the Earth has one moon. And it's like, well, it actually, at one point, it had two moons, Hmm. and then it had five moons, and then it had—it's pretty much now we're not sure what to call these other near-Earth objects, or things like that, or things in history that are misconceptions. And education is a lot like that in the sense that it's basically one person giving these factoids and then Kevin being, uh, I guess in this case, the Alan Davies role, where uh, he's, uh, you know, asked— it's sort of the opposite of a smodcast, I guess, in a way, where um, Kevin gets to create bizarre scenarios, but only based on actual facts. I and okay. uh, and uh, Andy gets to bring in, and then it's got sections, the sigh, the phi, the why, and the by, and that's the science, the fiction, the question mark, I guess, the why does this happen, and the by is the wrap-up bit. I like the way it's structured, um, I like the fact that it is actually educational in the way that you often walk away going, oh, I didn't know that at all. And sometimes you walk away with your side splitting because just some of the digressions are are priceless.
1: Interesting. What are we going to learn from this particular clip?
2: Uh, He's going to diagnose the Cosby kids.
8: Excellent. All right, let's give it a listen. I'm just saying that most cartoons, the characters are defined by their personalities. But on the Cosby kids, yes. they're mostly defined by their physical traits. And their physical traits are kind of fucked up in a lot of ways. Okay. So Fine. I took... Well, Fat Albert, obviously. So I went I and took each of their physical traits mm-hmm. and I went to WebMD and I diagnosed them. <laughs> Fat Albert is morbidly obese Albert, isn't he? Well, from what I can tell... Glandular or just... I think it's glandular. because Too
7: sedentary? I've always suspected, you know, processed food, diet, sedentary lifestyle.
8: Fat Albert is me. I am Fat Albert, so I can identify with that guy. Well, I think that, first of all, morbid obesity, I think that might be obvious, but I think it may be related to his gigantism. I think he may have A touch of it. Well, he's got to be. He's got to have some over secretion of growth hormone. Uh, hormones. It's actually the uh, over secretion of growth hormones by the acetophilic cells in the anterior lobe of the pituitary gland. That's how. That's what be gigantism gy- is. Yeah, remember the shoe museum? Yes, remember well, we, we did for the Tonight Show. Robert Wadlow, the giant. We saw his giant shoe. He had a pituitary gland problem, and like many people who grow to be giants, he did not live long. How long? Um, I think he died in his, uh, thirties. That's why I fucking you don't see any more Fat Albert cartoons. He died. <laughs> he died of jihadism. First, first we had to remove his feet.
9: <laughs> I don't want to see my feet go away.
6: <laughs> so. Hey, but everybody, that's
7: about the, the saddest thing I've ever
0: <laughs> heard. Hey, Marshmallow.
8: Uh so, so we're assuming that he had morbid obesity. Now, oftentimes, gigantism can cause many met- metabolic abnorm- abnormalities. I'm going to try that one again. I'm sorry to make you have to do so many edits, sir. Uh, I'm leaving that in. <laughs> <laughs> Because of these metabolic abnormalities yes. the life expectancy of a giant is considerably less than normal. <laughs> so <laughs> Fat Albert, he was able to play his in the junkyard band he played a squeeze box made out of
6: a <laughs>
8: radiator. So I guess it was just, you know, maybe just maybe, since it was a two D cartoon, we couldn't tell it was a paper mache um accordion. They didn't use props. It was a cartoon. <laughs> they, he did squeeze a fucking he squeezed terrifying notion. But as a kid, it was oddly comforting.
7: You're like, right on the fact Nobody's gonna fuck with a fat kid if you're playing a fucking radiator as an instrument. He's like, look what I could do to dumb Donald. <laughs> he just
2: rips him in half.
8: <laughs> well, like the replicants, yeah. maybe you know Fat Albert. It's, it's, the the flame that burns
2: i've seen hey hey
9: hey <laughs> i've seen things with your eyes you've never
10: seen tears and rain <laughs>
8: <laughs> so the the flame that burns twice as bright yes. burns half as long. We're well, moving on to Mushmouth. Okay? okay. Now, it may take a little explanation. If you watch the cartoon, mm-hmm. you'll notice that they these are kids that live in the midst of utter urban blight. Mm-hmm.
7: Uh, now, meow, 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 meow. Is that the Urban Blight song? That was like every commercial they want to.
8: It's just like,
7: hey, 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 I got nowhere to play.
8: <laughs> that was the cliffhanger. Okay. So, uh, if it's, you know, based on Bill Cosby's youth. Yes. That would mean it was Philadelphia. North, North Philly sure. after the war. And, uh, there was a lot of urban blight there. And a big problem they had was that these old kind of bombed out buildings that people were living in had lead paint chips everywhere and the kids were eating them. This is true. This is true. Okay. So I'm guessing that Mushmouth may have... uh, Eaten many lead paint chips. Yeah, he might have loss of mental function due to eating lead paint chips. And Mushmouth was the one that was like, hey, that would make the most sense. Yeah, he's just, I mean... So his problem was he had all his mental faculties, but he... No, 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 he had a diminished mental faculties. Because of eating lead paint chips? Yeah, it doesn't technically kill in all cases, but the body will never develop properly, particularly the brain. It will leave many or some parts of the brain Permanently damaged, or disabled, or damaged and barely functional. So, poor mush mouth victim of urban blood. I think so. I mean, you know, that kind of explains, you know, this poor kid. And I, you know, have to admire him for his pluck and uh, perseverance, and his friends for accepting him, even though he <laughs> was Mushmouth. <laughs> he had a really hey hey hey,
11: put the lead <laughs> chip paint away. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, that's Edumication. You can find that at smodcast.com as well. There's a much longer URL to get to it directly, but uh, they're not paying me, so go to smodcast.com and and just find Edumication for God's sake. Good Lord. What do they want from us? What do they want from us? All right, uh, let's uh, get into a clip that uh, I just heard this last week uh, from the FitzDog Radio podcast with Greg Fitzsimmons, and his guest is Bobcat Goldthwaite. Uh, Bobcat is always entertaining, and this time Fitz has him. I've actually interviewed Bobcat for a couple of articles uh, years ago. Uh, This is an interesting—oh, yeah, I did. Um, In fact, I was just recounting this story the other night to uh, somebody else who knows Bobcat. Uh, It it was in San Francisco, and we were in his hotel on Market Street, and at the end of the interview, he, he was leaving to go somewhere, so he was walking me down to my car, and I realized I'd locked my keys in the car. And he goes, well, let's get him out of there. So he, he walks down the block until we find a locksmith, and he gets this guy to close up his shop and gives him like 40 bucks and says, look, you just got to get my friend's keys out of his car, okay? And so the guy goes with us and unlocks my car. And uh, Bobcat didn't have to do that at all. But he
2: did. Oh, that was really nice. Um,
1: um, this uh, particular interview that we're going to get this clip from is an interesting glimpse into the life of the once celebrated madman comedian. I mean, he's a he's a very kind of normal, sober dude, right? Uh, his, oh, yeah. Uh, his ambitions these days are all about making and directing movies. And to fuel his interest, however, because uh, he's been taken to the cleaners uh, by a couple of divorces and also... Producing his own movies. So he's back in nightclubs and comedy clubs uh, to make a little bit of money to fuel his next movie. It's led to an interesting series of comedy club anecdotes, which they get into a little bit here.
12: I remember some really rich kids in a limo showed up and they were really high. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, you weren't even born when I was relevant. You know, there was nothing I could connect with, there was nothing that, that we had in common, you know.
13: That's a tough feeling when you're like trying to connect with a room of people and you realize that the things that made you a comedian and keep you in comedy are all off the table. And the right. only thing you're going to do for this next hour is survive doing things that you, you demean you almost.
12: Right, but, but I will say that I do find it fresh when I'm in other countries and I don't have the baggage, you know, uh, and I go on stage and, and I get to just rest on my laurels of just being a funny bar comic. Right. That's hard. Uh, uh, right. Uh, and it's, uh, it's very hard. I was in Ireland and I had a couple of rough gigs and then I had a couple that went really well, you know, so, so, uh,
13: no, I don't mean so much writing off your credits as much as like when you're doing a club where they are respectful, intelligent people, you get to do the best version of Bobcat Goldway. and when you're in Captain Nick's, you know, (laughs) none of that shit is going to help your cause.
12: Yeah, or, yeah, it's, uh, It's really strange. It's just, and that's what the 80s were like. People, when the comedy boom, they were just putting comedy where it didn't belong. Right. And that was kind of, uh, you know, made for uh, uh, hellacious stories.
13: Chinese restaurants with a microphone in the banquet room. Yeah,
12: yeah. But that was the high end. Uh, You know, I did, you know, I did stand up opening for Nirvana. So, like, people talk. Did you really? Yeah. And, like, people talk about getting heckled and things like that. You know, I, I, you know. I I I was hit with a teenager. Like they successfully once threw a kid out of the pit and my knees buckled and this kid scrambling off stage. It was really weird. And I'd have M eighties going off by my head and, and get I got a lot of clothes thrown at me, like boots and stuff.
13: Because 'cause they're all wearing four layers of clothes. Yeah, so they could afford to yeah, yeah
12: well just I've still got long johns on. I could lose the shirt and yeah. So I uh so when folks like complain or talk about heckling i'm like you know but at that point in my career i i knew that that would be one of the last places you should do stand-up and that's what i enjoyed it It was pretty fun to go out and and, and it's
13: almost better when you when it's so bad that you know it's a story as you're doing it yeah and and you're and there's creativity in dealing with it yeah i think when it sucks is it's a bad situation but they're respectful so that there's almost pity hanging in the air. Ugh. And you want them to heckle. Give me something to work on. To off. work
12: with. Or a room that isn't, you know, it's not the gathering of the juggalos, which I've done. But at the same time, it, if everything worked well, this would have been fine. But seeing that there's 12 really drunk hecklers, you know, they don't, people don't, they can't wrap their brain around that, like yeah. how frustrating that is. Right.
13: And if the and if the room's doing their job removing those guys right then you, you can deal with anything. But yeah. if they're gonna let people worse than the heckler is the group of people talking amongst yeah. themselves. Yeah. Because then it's just disturbing everybody and you can't even engage it.
12: And you can't concentrate and the people in the back don't even know this is going on.
13: And then you snap at them and then half the crowd that didn't hear them thinks you're an asshole.
12: Yeah, why is he such a dick? You know? Right. know. I, I remember uh in South Dakota this table full of women came in and they were drunk and they were like kind of wealthy looking. They were the you know the Real Housewives of <laughs> South Dakota, South Dakota or whatever, and over entitled and wouldn't shut up. And it got to the point where the crowds like throw them out. Like the crowd turned on. Yeah. And then finally, I, <laughs> I, I don't like that I can shut up hecklers. You know, and I really see red. And I truly often don't even know what I'm saying. It's just like, Whoa. you know, it's a vivisection and. It's a terrible skill to have, and the crowd always goes nuts when you do that too. It's and the, a hand grenade. Yeah, and the, but the crowd loves it. You know, I remember the crowd starts cheering, and it's like because we love conflict. Like a bar's never emptied out because they said, "Quick, two guys are getting along right. in the parking lot. Right, <laughs> right, right." So, I don't know what I said. I continue on with my act, and then one of them stands up sobbing, and she goes, "I'm not a whore. It's my birthday." <laughs> 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 Somewhere in the middle of that, <laughs>
14: that's hilarious.
1: So that's Fitzdog Radio, GregFitzsimmons.com.
2: Uh, that should definitely be a slogan or on a T-shirt or a coffee mug. Yeah. I'm not a whore. It's my birthday.
1: That's right. That's right. I love right. that. I am trying to set up an interview with Greg. He's going to be here at the Punchline in San Francisco next month, and I reached him on Twitter this week, and he said. Uh, email me through my website to set this up, and I cannot get his contact page to work. I fill out everything, and I hit send, and nothing happens. So I've now had to retweet him and say, I cannot get an email to you, and I've not heard from him. So uh, as usual, my attempts to interview somebody is probably not going to work, but uh, (laughs) we'll see what happens. Let's go to uh, another clip that Tyson picked for us uh, this week from the show Perfectly Imperfect. This is a show that was previously entitled Life, Cripple, Action. <laughs> what, <laughs> yes, the, it what, the, what the hell's going on with this show?
2: Well, it's um, uh, it's uh, uh, Kathy Buckley, who is a, a deaf comedian. Uh, Jerry Jewell, who has uh, CP or cerebral palsy, was did a stint on uh, the facts of life in the 80s and uh, continues to do stand-up and write books. And then there's uh, Mark Povinelli and Tobias Forrest. Um, I, uh, one of them is a little person, and the other person is uh, is a little person. The correct way to say it these days, I think so, right? Yeah, yeah, little
1: little person.
2: Yeah. A little bit, okay. One is a, a quote unquote little person, and the other one is a uh, he's paralyzed below the waist, so he's in a wheelchair, and he's a photographer. And uh, uh, they um, have they have a radio show on uh, also on LA Talk Radio. Okay. Um, it replays. Um, Actually, just before um, combat radio, it does. It does these days. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay. And it uh, so I started hearing it. Actually, airs on. Uh, they actually recorded on Mondays, but I don't tend to hear it then. And then uh, I uh, started listening to the to the replays, getting ready to uh, you know to see whether or not I'd be needed for the for the broadcast of combat radio. And I really got to like their uh, dynamic. Okay. And uh, I I've been a fan of Kathleen Buckley, Buckley's for a while. I, um. There was this television show called uh, Funny People. Not America's Funniest People, but it was a George Slaughter. Um, oh,
1: yeah, I remember. Yeah,
2: Yeah, it had three episodes. I didn't know this. <laughs> it was only three episodes. Yeah. I figured it was just something happened. I managed to get one, a whole one on tape, and okay. it would have to be the one with Kathy Buckley. And, uh, and then, of course, Blake Clark was a host on there as well.
1: Ah, okay. Father of our friend Travis Clark.
2: I said comedian Reed Rutner, and um, I think this Lisa Gibbons, and she, I think she was still doing Entertainment Tonight at the time, and then oh, a comedian okay. named Scott Blakemore. Huh. And so yeah, I just I got I like their dynamic. I like that they uh, and this is a this is actually a clip from before they rebranded their show to Perfectly Imperfect. In fact, they did a series of episodes where they were trying to come up with a new name. Um, I always felt that Life, Cripple, Action was kind of arresting, and I'm I mean, i do not think somebody else came up. <laughs> with it with with it for them so i mean i would say own it but you know if they if they really if it was you know it's up to them if they decided to change the name absolutely yeah, that if they felt it was sending the wrong message i'm not sure though because um maybe it's the it's an aversion to the word cripple but you've got life and action on either side so it's very positive
1: that's true that's true as a as a, as a branding expert, uh, I say blowing my own horn. I do enjoy the perfectly imperfect uh, construction, however. There's something kind of cool about it from a from a branding perspective.
2: More balanced, like a yin-yang, kind of.
1: A little bit, yeah. And oh? It just it has a bit of rhythm and flow to it, uh, whereas uh, I can see them getting... Probably, they probably got some heat about using the cripple word in there, I'm going to guess, even though they themselves are um, challenged. Can I, say, does? can I say challenged?
2: Yeah. I guess. Uh, it does kind of sound like one of those old um, Chuck Jones cartoons that <laughs> you don't see anymore.
1: Yeah, with Bugs Bunny in a wheelchair.
2: Exactly, yeah. It does kind of have that ring to it. All right. So, well, perfectly uh, perfect. Let's, yeah. So, sorry.
1: Let's give a
14: listen. Where are you that you're 3,000 miles away, sir? I'm in Washington, D.C., the capital
3: of our United States of America.
14: Washington, D.C.? I mean, didn't uh, I have a question. So do you think that they had something to do with uh, what happened here in California recently? You know what I'm talking about.
3: Uh, was that uh, Jerry walking uh, down the red carpet of the Emmys? Oh, I don't so, know. That so close. Crazy.
14: So close. It <laughs> would it would have something to do with uh, Jerry walking down a carpet if she were ever proposed to and said, hey, you know what, I'll say yes, I'll get married, uh, and now she could do that in California.
3: That's true. That's yeah. a great point. And, uh, you know, I think it was a little late in coming, but, yes, I think Washington – had something to do with all of that happening and all the better for it. It didn't matter where it came from, frankly. As long did yeah. it happen.
14: Right. Long overdue. And uh Jerry, you went to uh, the celebration. I, I what? Did you, went, you went to West Hollywood, Jerry? I did. And you celebrated? I did.
15: It was exciting to be a part of that history a
14: little bit. Cool. And what did you do? I mean how do you celebrate this thing?
15: Just waved a flag. <laughs>
14: Like any old thing, just wave the flag.
15: I thought you can do is wave.
14: <laughs> so I, I don't know if you saw this. You are uh, closer to New York than we are, but the New Yorker they took a photo that has already been on the internet for a while, and it's of my favorite celebrity couple, Bernie, uh, Bert, and Ernie. <laughs> you know, so you get the celebrity couple named Bernie, and they threw Bert and Ernie. On the New Yorker. I guess that photo's been around for a while, but the New Yorker said, "Hey, let's uh, let's put it out here front and center."
3: Did you see that one, Mark? I did. I don't know if I, it was the one I saw. I saw one of uh, Bird and Ernie cuddling on a couch, watching the Supreme Court decision uh, <laughs> case, and which I thought was pretty great. They were sitting there cuddling on the couch, watching TV, uh, hearing the news of the decision. So okay, okay. I may, that may not have been the New Yorker one, but. I, they certainly have become the uh, the poster children of this movement, whether they knew it or not.
14: I love that they're also an intercolor couple. They're like, one's yellow and one is orange, <laughs> <laughs> you know.
15: You guys do know that these are just puppets, right, you know? Are these Mark, Mark, not no, yellow? <laughs> Mark is over there going, they were on the couch listening. Look at, I'm human and I can't hear. And if these puppets are hearing, I'm in bad shape. You are, Kathy. I
14: know. But Kathy, and, and you know, Mark might be able to back me up on this, is there is something to be said that when you become, even if you're a puppet. A, a I, I do, ent- that
15: is my goal in life is to turn into a puppet. But go ahead. But
14: when you become a public entity, the Sesame Street has said, you know, hey, they're not a gay couple. They may um, be in the same bedroom and sleep in the same bedroom <laughs> and, and do everything <laughs> together, but they're not a gay couple. Um but the public has said, like, screw you. <laughs> They're a gay <laughs> couple. Like, we own them now. We own the rights to this imaginary Bernie. couple. To oh Bernie. My God. So Bernie is now a public entity. and uh, Even the puppets get more than I am. Right. I can't win. Well, you know, you just got to be willing to accept certain <laughs> things in your life, I guess.
15: And what would be one of them, my darling? Honey? I don't know.
14: I don't know. But, uh, Jerry, did you get to meet Bert and Ernie? I mean, can you back this up? You were on Sesame Street.
15: I was. And Bert and Ernie are not yellow. <laughs> They're not? No, Bert is red. No, Ernie. No, Ernie is blue. I don't know. Ernie is red.
14: <laughs> no. you. Those are labels, Jerry.
15: Oh, you my can't God. You can't just all puppets red and blue. know how I feel about blue. labeling people. Oh, no, my God. Now I'm calling the puppet people. Actually, Ernie said me lines under the table.
14: Well, uh, Mark, do you want to take that one? Because
3: apparently Ernie's not What gay. I like is that I like that they're in not only all these other things we've labeled them, but they're also an interspatial couple because Ernie is probably a dwarf and Bert is like huge. He's super tall. So uh, there are mixed races all around going on here. It's, I love it's it. It's a man. wonderful thing. I think they represent, uh, who knows, one of them, uh, you know, I don't even know. They're, they're, a, they're a wonderful couple to kind of encompass all of us, aren't they?
14: Yeah, and I love that you claimed Ernie as as a dwarf, as
3: a little puppy. I think that's the first time <laughs> he's been outed as a dwarf, and it's going to be very controversial. I think so.
15: Okay, these are the times that I go, I'm not deaf enough for you people.
14: Well, this is big news, right? It's big news. (laughs) I love that we go.
15: Any of us can go to Joanne Fabrics and make a puppet.
14: Well, you know, uh, but can you make a gay puppet? That's the real question, Kathy. You'd be surprised what I can make.
1: All right, that's perfectly imperfect. Uh, And you can hear that over at latalkradio.com uh slash imperfect.php, but just go to LA talk radio and you can find it look there. But you know what? If you put any podcast title into Google and put the title and put the word podcast, you will find every site that they appear on. So I'm going to give you that secret insider <laughs> insider's tip right now.
2: That's the real juice.
1: You know, what? I'm planning a big old hundredth um, episode end of season one coming up, uh, in 19 more episodes and, uh, planning to maybe do a big live show here in San Francisco. So who knows, maybe we'll dip into the Succotash budget, which is at the moment really low. Uh, and, uh, we'll see about getting you down here for that. That would be interesting.
2: That would, that would be amazing. Um, yeah, I hope I'm well enough to travel by that point. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah, um, I'm sure I would, will be, but, uh, yeah. Um, uh, you can you, you can leave this in if you like. I have a bit of an anxiety disorder. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> but I'm you know, I'm working on it. So well, that's okay.
1: Uh, that's all right. I mean, is it uh, is it debilitating? Is it, uh, is it something that you've been dealing with for a long time?
2: I've been dealing with it for about uh, let's see, what is this, 2014 now? Um, ooh, six years, something okay. like that. It's all gotten right. pretty bad in the last six years. So I don't leave the house that much, but except to go to the grocery store and whatnot. And uh, I mean, it's getting better. It's uh, it used to be, it used to be worse, but it's it's better now. So I'm on the upswing.
1: Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. And you know what? If uh, if you're not well enough to travel, we will uh, arrange a live hookup, and we will have you there one way or another.
2: Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I'd you know, I would love to be able to come and I'll, I, I will. We'll see what happens. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. In fact, I've already been talking. Even though this is 19 episodes away, and at the rate that I drop episodes, that could be. 2020 by the time we get to it but um i've talked to bill haywatt about actually uh, hosting uh the show or or basically being the live announcer for the show so bill haywatt will make his public appearance for the first time
2: that's cool will there be a centennial beverage by any chance oh
1: you know there will be we will have a wet bar or probably a dry bar set up on the on the stage there's no way he's getting out of that Uh, that's gonna be fantastic I love the guest on this next episode uh, clip we're doing. This is from Broadcast Basement with Chris Lanuti. And the reason I love this guest, Tyson, is because it's me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I spoke with Chris Lanuti, uh, who's the main host. There's several other people on the Broadcast Basement. This is a show that actually is broadcast from Chris's basement where he has a full-sized bar complete with beer taps and uh he and his oh, wow. yeah he and his co-host regularly get hosed and and do this <laughs> show um He asked me what kind of podcasts I don't particularly like, which ones I do and then he also uh, asked me how uh how broadcast basement can get mentioned on our show more uh, hmm. so uh, he had no uh, no qualms about that um I, uh, I really kind of got in with him this uh, last football season because he, he sent me a note and wanted to know if I wanted to be part of uh, the Broadcast Basement Fantasy Football League. And I had to confess to him, not only do I not know anything about fantasy football, I'm not a particular fan of any organized sport. But he said, ah, you don't really have to know anything. So I, <laughs> I said, okay. Uh, and I proceeded to almost win the entire league. Uh, hmm. without and i I've really screwed a few things up, as you'll find out in this uh, this interview with Chris Linuti. The shows that I just really can't listen to on a regular basis are the the ones that are well I guess what your show would be if you didn't have the the talent of knowing how to basically be the ringmaster of a conversation where it's a sort of freewheeling thing that people are kind of talking on top of each other and there's no real agenda and the topics are just kind of flabby you don't
2: know what's going to happen
10: and there's no punchline and they don't know how to end it that's that's the other thing i mean i've had yeah. some people i mean I, I mean i've had people send me a thing and says why does, why why does yours sound that different than what mine sounds like and and I always try to tell them I'm like well I'm fortunate I uh, Bill and I were on the radio with each other when we first started for several years Ed was with us as well the only guy that has no radio experience whatsoever is acoustic Mike who sits around the show but everybody kind of just sits there and, and I sit at the end of the bar and they can tell I mean they can see by the look in my eye and it's like it's been three minutes guys get to the joke yes. and then <laughs>
1: yeah yes. no that's exactly it that's exactly it um and it's even you know I mean here you and I are doing this this talk um on on my phone basically we don't even have the benefit of having skype video so we can see each other for cues but because we know how to pace a conversation we're not talking all over each other
10: now one thing i want to ask you and it's it's very important mark and i I want you to think about this before before you before you form your answer and give it back to me how does somebody get on your show more (laughs) (laughs) i got my pen ready you just tell me what i gotta do big guy Uh, Well, you know, I don't really know exactly what the answer to that would be. Well, We could have a feud. We could have a feud. We'll start fighting. All right. And let's, you know what? Let's start with fantasy football.
6: Oh, yeah, I know. I know.
2: I think I came in second, right? Yes.
10: Yes, you were playing while I was done. I'm watching a league (laughs) happen that I'm not even part of anymore. And the guy who's (laughs) telling me, the one guy who wasn't there for the draft online, who didn't know what he was doing, gets to the championship game. My, my favorite thing was the third week, and I had no clue what was going on, and
1: my
3: quarterback wasn't even playing. I know, um,
10: and, that's and that's the only yeah. way I beat you. I beat you in that game. That was me and you play each other that week, and you didn't even play a full team. And I beat you, I think, by a point. I lucked out on the whole thing.
1: All right, there's, uh, there's <laughs> Broadcast Basement with Chris Lanuti and uh, his friends, although you don't hear them in this particular interview. Uh, you can find them at Broadcast Basement com. Now you have to explain this next show to me because I first of all, when you sent me the clip, the, there was something technically wrong with it, so I had to have you resend it. and I, I listened to it. I first of all, what, what, what is the title? Of it's Nardwar the Cer- oh, yeah. the Human Serviette.
2: Yes, Nardwar. He is a he's a uh, he's a, a well. He's he's a journalist that goes back to the days of. When people used to, uh, before there were viral videos, you would circulate funny videotapes or interesting videotapes of people, like the farting preacher. It Was originally before there was YouTube, it was on videotapes. I don't know if you remember this I particular do. phenomenon. I do. Yeah, yeah. Good old Bob Tilton. Um, but uh, so yeah, Nardwar has some uh, some really early Dead uh, Kennedy stuff with Jello Biafra. Like he's his friend now, but the first time he met him like Jello was very rude to him the second time he drew on his face with a marker but Nardwar wouldn't wouldn't stop the interview like he never stops he just just stands wow. there and then and eventually he starts he has got this great series of interviews with rappers uh, where he brings them gifts um based on their their musical influences and he's got a very distinct delivery when he uh when he does his interviews he's got distinct beats that he uh that he repeats um he ends every interview with them. This is not included in this particular clip, but he'll say like um, let's say like Pharrell, for example, the rapper he'll say, Well, you know, thank you very much, Pharrell. Keep on rocking in the free world and doot do la doot do and then he puts the microphone over to them and then waits for them to say doot doot <laughs> And, it, and it, <laughs> and if they don't say doot doot, he'll say almost, and then he'll try it again, doot do la doot do, and then hopefully they'll do that, and if they do, he goes, yeah, and then he turns to the camera and freezes with a big, like, I don't want to say a rictus, no, what's the the, Rick, what's the, r- ed, the r- Edward r- Munch kind of scream face, with yeah. just like a big old ah oh, smile, funny. and then he doesn't move. He doesn't move and mm-hmm. then the camera stays on him and the people are like is this over what's happening and he won't like people have taken his hat off and his eyeglasses and he just doesn't move and then it cuts to black
1: wow <laughs> all right let's uh <laughs> what, what, well first of all he's talking to jap Blanc. in oh, yeah, this
2: that's yap yap Blanc,
1: yap, yap Blanc.
2: Yeah, yap Blanc, who is a uh he, he is a vocalist he does these interesting kind of sound poems with his voice um, um
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, well let's let's hear what this sounds like. This is fantastic.
5: And welcome to the Nordword Human Serviette Radio Show.
16: Well, thank you, Nordword.
5: Now, Japlonk, what do you do? Can you please explain to the people? What do you do? Are you a beatboxer?
16: No, I'm not a be- beatboxer. I, I use the voice in, in many different ways. I make experimental uh, texts, uh, sound poetry, uh, voice pieces, also with in combination with musicians, with electronics. And um, I think uh, I cannot be categorized in any style like, like beatboxing, beatboxing or um, um, so it's a wildly uh, varying stuff I do, but um, mostly the voice is involved.
5: Have you worked with any beatboxers at all?
16: <laughs> yeah, I have, but it's really hard. to I, I found I tried to get them into more uh, free use of the voice and improvising, but they usually stick to their uh, bag of tricks and that can be great and really virtuosic, but... It's still, for me, a bit, bit static.
5: So you yeah blog. You don't have a bag of tricks at all. Like, hey, the hell in hell are you? What are your bag of tricks?
16: uh, Oh well, yeah, but. Uh, my tricks uh, don't always uh, succeed, and they're s- mo- more interesting sometimes when they fail. Like, um, uh, especially people, especially kids, always ask me, um, can you imitate this or that animal or cartoon figure? And then I tell them, no, um, you know, I, uh, imitation is not so interesting. You get something that's already there. If you, you can try to imitate, but if it fails and you get something else, it's more interesting because you get something that wasn't there already, wasn't there yet. So um well I I sometimes work off uh, imitations I had this um place in Amsterdam in in Holland where I lived where uh, the streetcar came by every 5 minutes uh, through a, a sharp uh, curve and I heard this sound like a uh, every 5 minutes or so <clears throat> so I got into imitating that and um I could cultivate that sound a little bit like uh, I got to uh, <coughs> So, it is to a sort of, um, more, somewhat more refined, high register. So, sometimes imitation can be, uh, Fertile and uh, productive.
5: And your mouth is quite awesome, I must say there, ja Long. Like Everything is done with your mouth, right? No computers. We weren't hearing any computers. Although you mentioned you have well, use computers while, while, while sometimes.
16: I'm, while I'm sitting here, uh, yeah, live, I, I do everything with the mouth. But I use computers too and other uh, uh, um, other hardware gear because then you have even more uh, possibilities. Maybe you can play a, a, a little track uh, where... Um, where I've hooked up uh, some um some gear and send my voice send my through it
5: and we have a caller right now even though we haven't given out the number but
6: call her are you there <laughs> yes, yes.
16: Oh, well, that sounds like somebody pressing a button on a sampler and repeating a loop.
5: How did that caller do? Did the caller do okay? How did the caller do?
16: How is he doing?
5: Yeah, how did he do on that noise there, what he created? Like, for instance, what did he do? You mentioned maybe using a sampler or just feedback m- on the yeah, computer. It
16: might, might be. It sounded like a loop re-recorded. And yeah. how
5: do you do it? What is a cheek squeak?
16: A cheek-sweak? Well, I uh, I have this um, in, uh, instrument, um, which I call the cheek synthesizer, which I developed over the years. And I can do uh, quite, a, quite, quite a lot with it. I'll... Um, to, uh, I'll have this show tonight at uh, 1067 East and um, I will do um, a solo for the cheek synthesizer, but actually you need two microphones for it uh, to play it in stereo, but a mono version, uh, some, some excerpts would sound like a... Uh
5: with mono Cheeks Week on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show.
1: All right. There's, <laughs> there's, there's Nardwar, the hu- the human serviette. Yeah. And, and you can find more of that, if you care to, at Nardwar.com. And that's N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R. He didn't make it easy, did he? Nardwar.com.
2: So yeah, a serviette is a napkin. And uh, <laughs> Nardwar is... <laughs> it's what they call him in Canada, because that's where he's from, Vancouver, Canada. And he, and uh, Nardwar is actually is literally a made-up word. He just thought it was an odd, silly-sounding word, so he, he wanted something that sounded unique. And then uh, he's, he had his name changed not that long ago, too. So he's officially Nardwar, the uh, human survey, I guess. Fantastic. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love he's, it. Have you seen any of his interview clips? I haven't,
1: but I'm going to look them up now. I'll tell you that uh, because he sounds fascinating. Uh, It is time now for a word from our sponsor, Henderson's Pants.
6: Yay!
0: Hello, friend. Bill Haywatt here with some excellent news for those of you caught in wintry climes this season. Henderson's Pants is proud to introduce their new Parker pants. For years people have been protecting their upper bodies with warm puffy goodness, while their lower extremities had to make do with soggy jeans and steamy sodden thermal underwear. Uh, no more. Now when it's time to go out into the frozen tundra that used to be your front yard, just toss on a pair of Henderson's Parker pants with nothing more than briefs, Boxers or panties underneath. You're ready to shovel that driveway or make snow angels, keeping toasty warm all the while. Even if it's warm where you live, but you work in a freezing cold office, Parker pants are perfect. That's because unlike your typical ski jacket, Parker pants feature stylish outer material. Ranging from combed cotton and linen to silk and polyester blends, so you can mix and match to go with your sport coats, suit jackets, or blouse. Originally designed for Admiral Perry, Sir Edmund Hillary, and Tenzig Noge. Henderson's Parker pants are just what you need when you're looking to put some heat in your seat. That's Henderson's. Makers of fine pants since 1909. And now back to Sakatash
2: i do love these
1: uh yeah they're uh you know they're fascinating and uh, bill haywatt does a great job uh originally when we started uh, the show we were, henderson's was going to be kind of like the acme company from the warner brothers cartoons and they would make kind of everything mm-hmm. and we got into this groove where uh joe polino and i started writing um this the scripts uh and we said let's just see how many pairs of pants we can keep writing commercials for and Joe gave up long ago, but I'm still cranking out the the copy. And Bill Haywatt lovingly uh, (laughs) recites it, and uh, Joe lays the music down for it. And uh, so far, we haven't repeated anything. I mean, I've repeated some of the commercials on the show, but uh, there's still more pants to be had. Before we get back to the clips, I wanted to... uh, uh, Shed a little bit more light on the the character of Tyson Sainter by letting you hear some of his music. We've mentioned before that he has some of his pieces up on SoundCloud, but uh, I want to play this piece from him now, and it is a song, a song called "Hope." And uh, Tyson, is there anything about this the song you want to tell us before we get into it?
2: Um, just that when I started writing it, uh, and I came up with the main musical part, that uh, I it to me it had a certain feeling to it that. Sounded sort of like I don't, I, I'm very into music as like change, having um, being mood altering essentially.
6: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, when I li- every time I listened to it, it felt like a little bit of a journey, kind of around the emotions. And then eventually, I felt it ended on kind of an up note before it repeated the idea of it, and then I added more things to it. It's sort of basically a repetition where things kind of get added and things fall away. And it, it made me feel kind of like like uh like if it was laid in behind a a movie or a scene or cartoon that there'd be it would end on an up note so I, and it's sort of musically a sort of trip through my influences throughout the years, from songs like um Apollo one hundreds joy um uh-huh. uh philip glass music okay. um, the the beatles uh, but not 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 exactly borrowing but definitely influenced by just melodious stuff, and I'm not saying it's nearly as good as any of those people, but it's definitely what i think what i think of i guess it's kind of filtered through my life experience up to the 90s when the dance music started and i love that music too so
1: all right well let's uh, let's give Liz listen to hope by our associate producer tyson Sainer. Great! If people want to hear more of that, as I said, you're up on SoundCloud uh, under your name Tyson Sainer, and people can look you up. And uh, you've got what a half a dozen pieces up there right now.
2: Uh, yeah, I've got actually um, everything except for Hope, which is the most recently uh, put up a track. Are tracks from an uh, an electronic album I made uh, ten years ago. Oh, okay. None of the, none of the tracks are for sale. They're all completely free downloadable because they're all loaded with samples and the idea of when I made the album was just to see if I could make that kind of music. Cause I, I love to dance music. It took me about, I think, two years to make the, uh, uh, ten, 10, original tracks. There's actually three more that are somewhere on some other hard drive that are unrecoverable and wow. other stuff I've done since then. But those are the ones that are up there and hope is the most recent song. And, uh, then I had some other one that uh, I, I do have stuff I'm working on now. So
1: terrific. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Well, thank you. Let's uh, let's get back into the clips. Uh, this is um, another fine British recommendation from our friend at Good underscore Podcasts. It's a show called "Do the Right Thing." It's a comedy panel show hosted by Danielle Ward with team captains uh, Michael Leggy and Margaret caborn Smith, uh, and guest team members this week are Jason Manford and Sarah Pascal in the agony ant sequence of do do the right thing the panel answers a letter about how to deal with a freeloading loser former best friend and you know we don't have a lot of shows like this uh, on the american side of the atlantic these panel shows but uh, i found it pretty darn entertaining
17: rounder our panel act all agony auntie to the audience however to stretch their auntie hamstrings i've got a real life poser for them to solve first so michael can you read this out please i'd love to dear agony aunt i have a dilemma about my best friend when we were kids we were both underachievers however since then i've had several good jobs while he has struggled to keep work or money due to his fondness for soft drugs alcohol (laughs) and general partying I am now moving back to my hometown, where he still lives, after being away for 20 years. The question is, how much do I get involved with him when I go back? Sharing a flat is out due to his inability to pay his bills, as is any thought of building a business together.
6: <laughs>
17: I have asked several mutual friends for advice, and all have said... Uh, and all ha oh, I can't read, I'll try that again. I have asked several mutual friends for advice, and all have said to have... Has-
18: and that's the end.
17: Right, dear Agonyon, oh. I can't read. <laughs> I have asked several mutual friends for advice, and all have said, "Why can't I fucking read this bit?" They should, they should, they should Chase, on
18: yellow paper. Just do the last bit.
4: I have asked several mutual friends for advice, and all have said to have as little to do with him as possible. But he is, or at least was, my best friend.
18: What should I do? Number one. Oh God, no,
4: I feel sorry for him.
18: Because oh. <laughs> Jason read it in a Your bit of a pathetic voice.
4: <laughs> well, that's why I'm the voice of the Churchill adverts. So. <laughs>
18: <laughs> OK, number one, there's a lot of sexual chemistry going on. This is one of those homoerotic stories you hear about. Oh, I'm very critical of my friends. Sometimes he gets changed in front of me. I don't want to start a business. I've <laughs> <laughs> all been there. I've all been there. I know
17: this isn't my problem. <laughs> so where's this from? I don't know where this is from. What's the This is
18: just a letter just a that's a been problem. sent to an agent? Oh a C so right. What would what would your advice be to this young so this, man?
4: You know, he's got a friend from twenty years ago. They were both underachievers. But that's
18: not a friend if you're that critical of someone. That's not a friendship. No, I would it's say they're not everything. friends. He just just
4: comes around every so often and asks him for help. I don't know why he he just won't help him. I don't know who these other mutual friends are. (coughs) That's not a mutual friend if they're saying, stay away from that prick, because (laughs) they're your friends.
18: They're
4: not not both your friends, are they?
18: (laughs) I would suggest. We've all got friends we hate, though, (laughs) yeah? yeah. What friends of yours do you hate? I don't think Michael has any friends he likes, do you?
17: God. might be one, two.
18: Is it me? Yeah.
17: Yay! I win. I'm so sarcastic, it's pretty good.
15: (laughs) Michael, have you got any friends you'd want to start a
17: business with? (laughs) Jason,
4: start a business with you. I feel like I've suddenly become a dragon.
17: (laughs) (laughs) I'm out. Michael,
18: Michael, I would start a business with you. Do you know what we would do? Because we live quite near each other. We could do dog walking and petting service for people who are too busy to look after their pets properly.
17: Yeah, I'd like that. Yeah,
18: and exactly... But you know
17: I'm quite hopeless.
18: Well, i do the admin, and you do the stroking of the dogs. We, wouldn't we have a nice time? I do a
17: lot of stroking during the day. It's mainly a, how I get through, so,
18: yeah. In a, in a similar way, my friend Zoe, who also doesn't listen to the podcast, so it's fine, she and Danielle were once going to do a business called Handjobs for the Homeless, where they, uh, <laughs> where they were, went around in a van. I believe the idea was to give handjobs through letterboxes so why you never was the to the them. That's why it's not the homeless.
6: If it's hats. your home, then well, they're coming they just, around <laughs>
18: to,
14: Oh, I see. I
6: thought you just
18: You
4: pulled up and put a door... ..and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then they just put a copy of the Just rub box. it in, yeah.
18: yeah. yeah, yeah these
4: doors? I would suggest that the homeless are definitely not something you should name a business. <laughs> <laughs> a name.
1: What did you think of that? It's a little bit different format than what we have over here. Uh, in term, uh, At least I haven't heard one kind of like that.
2: Agony Ant is something I didn't even know what it was until I saw an episode of Whose Line from oh, Britain, yes. where oh, yeah. it was one of the categories. Oddly enough, Greg Proops. Yeah. On Whose Line? Agony Ant, Marjorie Proops. <laughs> I don't know if they're related. <laughs> Interesting. But... Interesting. Uh,
1: Maybe, that, maybe maybe it's where they got their uh, their inspiration. But uh, anyway, so that's do the right thing. You can get more at uh, comedy.co.uk, uh, or again as usual, just put it in, into Google. Put do the right thing podcast, and you'll find it. I promise. I promise. Google will not let you down. At least not yet.
12: Hey, Larry Brown here, and I'm listening to the comedy
1: podcast. Suck it! I'm listening. Suck it, The comedy podcast. Let's start that again. Uh, next up is another uh, Tyson Saner chosen clip uh, from one of my favorite shows, Comedy Bang Bang. But uh, and I, uh, you know, I took all of the clips you sent, uh, mm-hmm. and I wanted to listen to them to get more familiar with them before we played them on the show. And uh, I, you know, I hike in the morning, and I was laughing out loud at this one. Uh, James Adomian does such a great Paul Giamatti. <laughs>
2: hey, I am sorry. No. Yes. I was, yes. Absolutely. Every time I think of it, I laugh. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: So you want to tell a little bit more about what the what this clip's about?
2: Well, it's it's um <clears throat> it's Nick Offerman from uh, Parks and Rec, Mr. Ron Swanson himself, um, and uh, it's in the segment of the show that they usually have after the initial interview, where a quote unquote celebrity will come in. In this case, it's James Adomian, who uh, is. Very talented with the voices that he does, as an impression I'd never heard before. I'd never heard anybody do Paul Giamatti before, and it's it's so perfect. But you know, also you know, it's its own caricature, but it, yes. it's so evocative of of this version of Paul Giamatti that uh, uh, the entire show is, is, is uh, the entire episode, I should say, is worth a listen because it just gets better and better as it goes. And they even have a, a Ron Swanson off where. Oh, funny. Nick Offerman plays Ron Swanson as him, you know, as as he normally does, and Paul Giamatti does his take on Ron Swanson and various other things, and it just sounds more and more dejected as it goes on. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, well let's let's listen to this uh, this slice of comedy, bang
19: bang. I'm sure you know this guy. Uh, we've been oh my god, we've been staring at him. Uh, I'm a huge fan. Uh, as am I. He's been on the show before, and uh, you of course know him. Uh, uh, Oscar nominated, maybe from yeah, awesome. uh, from from Sideways, I think. Uh, certainly, <gasps> certainly. And Can I take the muzzle off, Scott? Yeah, so sorry to keep you in that. I uh, it's. Uh, You know, we don't like a lot of crosstalk.
20: Yeah, well, I understand. Somebody's got to have the floor. It's not Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti, by the way, is, is here.
19: Paul Giamatti. Oscar-nominated? I don't even know. Yeah,
20: Oscar-nominated. Thanks for rubbing it in.
19: Rubbing it in? How is that? That's just naming one of your accomplishments. Well, the only
20: thing I ever won was a Golden fucking Globe. Ah, for what? What was that for? And a SAG Award. For
19: for uh, being a, a cast of Sideways? Or...
20: Yeah, well, no, no, actually, for, for not doing a movie. They gave me a Golden Globe for not doing a movie in 2009.
9: <laughs> wow. Nick, have you ever met uh, Paul Giamatti? I actually have. Uh, you probably don't remember. It was on the F-Train I approached you um, mm-hmm. at the end of a car. Oh, no, yeah, I remember. Yeah, sure. Uh, that's generous. But, I mean, it was before um, you probably aren't a big TV watcher anyway. But Before
19: you were on Barks and Rec, It was, was yeah, yeah. It was
9: probably about four or five years ago. You had done the film, the great film, uh, I, I consider your finest film, The Hawk is Dying, uh, which is a little-known Sundance movie by a guy known named Julian Goldberger. Um
20: Really- yeah, well, I appreciate I didn't get a goddamn dime for the whole fucking thing. No, no, that didn't. It wasn't- but I'm glad that I, I could inspire somebody on the F train well. to go take a part that was made for me later on, a few years later. Yeah, yeah I'm one of the poor saps that auditioned for Ron Swanson. You, you are, really? Oh, wow.
19: You, you auditioned for Ron Swanson? Yes!
20: Well, I went through it. I did 12
19: callbacks. Ah, that must be so hard for you to listen to this story, then. Wow,
20: that is crazy.
19: Yeah, twelve callbacks. Do you remember uh, what kind of unique spin, what kind of Giamatti spin you put on? Well, the sure.
20: I used to, I used to come back in after they were like, "Thank you, we'll see you again," and about after the tenth time or so, I would start banging on the goddamn door and say, "Please, please, you're all fired. The parks aren't working out. They didn't fucking go for it. <laughs> they wanted somebody shuttle, huh?
9: <laughs> it's it's.
20: Fine. They didn't want that Giamatti charm that. Paul Valentine Giamatti Magic. That's my middle name, born with it. Paul Valentine Giamatti.
9: I did not know that.
20: But you wouldn't because I'm not attractive enough to be able to say that very often.
19: Did you ever go for the other role that Nick was going for, the uh, the handsome lead tested with
9: Rashida? His name was Josh. Josh, yeah. Did you ever go out for Josh?
20: No, but I stole a couple of scripts and tried to rewrite them by hand and turn him into a, a little pig of a man yeah and see if i could slip it back in the audition room and i didn't fucking go for it god fucking damn
19: it is that usually the kind of roles that that you get you read a script and it says a little
20: pig of a man and (laughs) well if it if it doesn't i try to get it punched up that way
19: Hmm.
9: yeah that's tough it's
19: tough to be nick it's tough to be tight cast as an actor wouldn't you wouldn't you say
9: it is it's uh i think it's going to be hard for me in the future to get out of from under the shadow of my own mustache.
19: <laughs> well, you could just shave the mustache, though. I mean, what can Paul Giamatti do? That's true.
20: Oh, well, well, you know, I'll have you now I am working.
19: Yeah, I, I did see you in a couple movies this year. Win-Win was one of my favorites. Yeah,
20: well, that. it was more of a draw for me. Yeah. <laughs>
19: <laughs> Good one, and uh, also, <laughs> also the Ides of March. Uh, Nick, you saw that as well, right? I did. Yeah, I thought uh, you were great in that.
20: Well, thanks. I'm glad that I was able to pull off the performance. You know, uh,
19: you were playing a very giamatti esque part.
20: Yeah, I was. Uh, yes, I was. Uh, I was the bad guy. I was representing evil. But you know, my part was supposed to be twice as long. Oh, Unfortunately, what? they were filming on the Ides of March. The fifteenth, and a group of Roman senators came in and stabbed me. What? I a... was stabbed. I was stabbed during the filming of the Ides of March on the Ides of March. What are the odds?
19: Wow! By Roman senators too. Did they? Who did they make the trip uh, from Rome or were they? They were
20: contemporary Roman senators and uh-huh. Silvio Berlusconi's party, and he was there too. Uh-huh. And they were stabbing me because they thought it was an insult to the Italian people. That's a crazy that story. Paul Valentine Giamatti would play in the eyes of March.
9: Clooney's got, he's always got Italian diplomats around the set.
19: Plus, he's always pranking people on this set. I don't know that this isn't a classic Clooney prank.
20: Oh, he started it. He had a little fakie knife, one of those that oh. retracts. Ah. But that was the cue. That was all the
9: Italians needed. He is hilarious. He's so. Brilliant. I wish I'd seen him stab you. That would have been really funny. Maybe in the deleted yeah. scenes? Oh, like no. Gag reel?
6: Oh, no.
20: They put it all in there. Every fucking stab. All the Easter eggs. Click on any part of the eyes of March, and you get to see Paul Money with another knife somewhere.
1: Wow, that's crazy. You can get uh, a lot more comedy, Bang Bang. It's on TV. You can get the see the IFC show. You can find it at Earwolf.com. Uh, and there's tons of past episodes. They have; uh, it's always very funny. Uh, it's a great, great show. I'm glad you picked this clip for uh, for this episode.
2: Oh well, good. I'm, I'm glad that it was a, a, a good one. I I don't know if I know Comedy Bang Bang had been featured on the show at least once before, at least.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. No, I've played it several times. Just you know, some of the shows that are really popular. I'm trying to make mm-hmm. way for for shows people don't hear very often. So, yeah. um, you know, I infrequently will play a Mark Marin clip or something like that because I mean, I just love those shows, so I, you know, want to let people know that yeah, we listen to those shows and here's a particularly interesting one I found. But uh, for the most part, we like to kind of br- make people aware of the shows that that aren't out there. And at the same time, with the uh the amount of listenership that's still growing, there's a lot of people that have never heard comedy, bang, bang, or WTF or things like that. So I think it merits playing them once in a while. And particularly when you get a, a nice juicy clip like that one. Uh, the next uh, clip we have uh, is uh, a mediocre time with Tom and Dan. Again, these were guys that were finalists for the stitcher comedy award this year. They did not make it, but, uh, and you know what? I, I'd never heard of this. It's it's one of the six podcasts that was nominated Uh, the show you just heard, Comedy Bang Bang, is the one that won. Uh, but it must mean something that these guys got in there. At the same time, I've never heard of these guys. I had never heard of A Mediocre Time with Tom and Dan. And yet, they're in the Stitcher Top 100. It just goes to show how cluttered the marketplace is right out there. Um, they have a subscription show. They also have a free version. I I don't know how well these subscription shows are going to hold up over the course of time, by the way. As we saw, Jimmy Pardo has now crumpled under the pressure. Uh, And they do their show out of Orlando, Florida, I think, although they do travel around. The the one they have up right now is from San Francisco because they were out here for the awards. As they they discuss in this show, they did one from Nashville. Um, And in this clip, uh, they ruminate about the Salem Witch Trials, which gives them an idea for a hot new restaurant. And they also talk about making it big in Nashville, with one of their songs which they unfortunately sample in this clip.
21: I heard recently that they didn't really burn people uh, at the stake in Salem. That that was uh, all like a, uh, you know, old wives tale, a perpetual rumor that, it, that no one was actually burned at the stake oh, Arthur for being witches. Arthur Miller lied to us? It was what something a like that. Look we, the break. we should open a bar in Salem mm-hmm. called the Steakhouse. <laughs> Right? You're right. <laughs> and it's witch themed. Uh huh. You know? You're right. All the, uh, like, it, but hot witches. Hot was, ah, like, like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh huh. And then it'd be like a wing, like a steak and barbecue. Yeah, kind of that's and what I'm like, talking about. And then everybody dressed like a sexy witch yeah. in, for Halloween. And then and their just their like Margaritaville all- when the, uh, Siren goes off. We burn uh, one of the witches. Uh uh-huh. But it's, and, it's a, you know, it, well, you, you we put, burn her top off. It's made of flash paper. Yeah. And we light it <laughs> and it, boom, and then her tits are fly out. Uh But we put pasties on because, did I say her titsers fly out? <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> her titsers fly out. You want to take a quick break? And it's a family friendly rush on. So we have, some well, that's at night. On. No, that's at night. Oh, at the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it gets crazy at night. Uh, that's good. You know, that's uh, good. We practice witch. Ross, write that down. <laughs> Ross, that's uh, when we we're gonna open that up, so. and then you get this, you know, the special brew, and that's yeah, which is brew, yeah, yeah, yeah man. Uh, um, I mean, there's all kinds of different things you can do that, and then uh, some eye of newt, and that's uh, some sort of you know soup. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I've got bored of it. already. <laughs> <You know what? laughs> Fuck that. Erase that, shot. Ross. Erase that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh, should we then we head out mm-hmm. to Nashville? Yeah, we'll uh, head out to Music, uh, what is it, Music Highway? Music Row. <laughs> music <laughs> Highway. And then see, uh, maybe we could talk to him if we see if uh, there's any sort of... Maybe arc. we'll meet a big star. Oh, maybe we'll be stars. Oh, What if we meet big and rich? Let's sell this fucking recorder, get some guitars. We could write our hit song. Oh, yeah. What was our hit song again? Um, there's, a uh, yeah. <laughs> there's a little bit of doo-doo in my pumpkin pie. There's a little bit of doo-doo in my pumpkin pie. And you know, and people would be like, he's talking about life and the fact that life is so beautiful, but the hardships of life are sometimes so bad. I think I can write more. And there's a little bit of doo doo in my pumpkin pie, and there's a little bit of pee pee in my mama's eye. Yeah. There's a little bit of jism on my father's hands. There's a little bit of ratchet on your tomato cans. <laughs> yeah, okay. Right? Uh, and then I want one day. There's a little bit of toothpaste in the bottom of your shoes. Everybody wins and everybody loses. There's a little bit of pumpkin in my shit pie. <laughs> <laughs> see what I did? You See what I did there? There's a little bit of pumpkin in that shit pie. In the sky. Ah, that's... Uh... Write that down. <laughs> if I... well How much money would you give me? Because they do open mics. How much money would you give me if I grabbed a guitar after maybe one shot? I know we swore off shots after the BDM thing. How much money would you give me if I went up there and did that song and did it straight face, fucking dead serious? <laughs> would you give me $100? Uh, yes, I would. Also, would I be tackled in drugging <laughs> in no, jail? I th- what if some, uh, <laughs> some fucking record executive is like, this guy's got the guns? Put him on, put him on the radio. He whisked you away. It's He's got all in it. <laughs> yeah. Here uh, he is, everybody, on the charts this week. We're happy to have him for the CMT Awards, singing his hit song. There's a little bit of doo doo in my pumpkin pie. <laughs> Incognito Johnson. <laughs>
1: Uh what did you think of uh, a mediocre time? I know you only got caught a, that clip there and the show is like a 2-hour show, but uh, what was your your take on it?
2: I I thought they, they they have a pretty good back and forth. The sense of humor is uh is pretty funny at times. Uh what I heard of it was uh, amusing. I I kind of I mean God, amusing sounds such, sounds like it was such a belittling word, but I mean it sincerely. It's it is it is a you know the I do like it when people make up songs. Yes. Um A little bit of doo doo in my pumpkin pie. I had to write that down. (laughs) A little bit of data in my ism. (laughs) Uh, Uh, You know, I was thinking the original, uh, well, the original uh, lead into this was saying that there was, you know, you're saying there must be something wrong with you that you'd never heard of it. And I was saying, you know, well, we already had the conversation about how the audience for people that even know the podcast exists as a thing. Um is so relatively small to what it could be, so it's really no reflection on you at all. I mean, there's just so there are so many of them, like you said before the clip. there's so many of them. and then and a podcast is something that has to rely on either word of mouth or search engine optimization
1: true, very true.
2: And that's between that that's basically how you know if anybody Googles anything that we've uh, that you've played before in the show or that I've contributed that it, it should be at least mentioned in the hits that come up because it's and so that's—I mean—you're providing a great service with the show to to people who don't a don't know podcasts or or, or don't know what's available, I should say—and yeah. uh, be just like you know, listening to podcasts and finding ones they might not have. Yeah. come across in their everyday life. So
1: Well, we're, we're here for the people, Tyson. We're here for the people. You can, uh, by the way, hear more of the conversationally comedic stylings over at TomAndDan.com. Uh, the last clip we have is uh, one that was uh, sent in. So neither Tyson nor I are responsible for this. Uh, it's actually pretty amusing. We got a note in the tweet, sack from the Adam and JP podcast. It reads, Hey, Mark, I just recently found your show and I love it. Uh, Really great work. In advance, thanks for giving us a shout-out. Basically, we talk about all things geek, gaming, comics, movies, music, pop culture with a comedic slant. We host a two-hour radio show on a local station every Saturday morning, and we do a weekly podcast. I've attached a clip from our latest episode in case you wanted to use it. Thanks again, and we would love to chat with you on the show sometime to discuss your show.
22: Signed, J. Patrick. So uh, here's the clip that they sent in.
20: I want to I find out more about this exorcism.
22: It'll happen. Indian. It'll be, I mean, it's the same as the Wendy's Chili Finger story. It's big at first, but as time goes on, we'll find out if it's real or fake. We'll find out the truth. Yeah.
20: That he wasn't really the sheriff. He was a paid actor.
22: Yeah, exactly. Find out the truth next time, Adam and J.P. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get the law in order? Yeah. That's funny. Remember the Wendy's Chili Finger story? Remember that?
20: I remember the Wendy's horse meat story.
22: Yeah, so the Wendy's chili finger. This lady, I forget which state, but anyway, she had a. Uh, which,
20: by the way, that was my nickname in Cub Scouts.
22: <laughs> Wendy's chili finger. Oh, chili finger.
6: <laughs> oh, oh,
22: that's. that's
20: I, I don't want to. I don't want <laughs> to sleep in the same tent as chili finger. <laughs> but, the scoutmasters would call me that. <laughs> Chili finger, get over here. We're going to the shower.
6: <laughs>
22: but the, uh, the Wendy's chili finger story, <laughs> the lady found the severed finger, the severed fingertip in her chili, bowl of chili from Wendy's. And they go to find out. She, you know, of course, has a huge uh, a huge kind of... Uh, I've lost the chili finger. Huge collection of fingers at home? (laughs) Well, pretty much. She had a huge lawsuit. I forgot, for X amount of dollars, many, many dollars against Wendy's. And they find out a friend of hers lost her finger at her workplace. And the woman bought the fingertip from her friend with this great scheme to get, like, millions of dollars from Wendy's. Really? Yeah, it's crazy, huh?
20: How did they? Well, I guess eventually probably her friend... I think so. ...caved. Yeah. Do you think when they interrogated her friend it was in a room with, like, one lamp on her? (laughs) Maybe so. Tell us what you know, Betty. (laughs)
22: What you got, (laughs) non-tips?
1: So there's the Adam and JP show. I don't know a whole lot about it. The clip they sent in is only a minute and a half long. Um, Hmm. So I am definitely going to check out their show. They seem entertaining
2: to me. Oh, yeah. Wendy's Chili Finger.
1: Got to love it. Uh, You can catch up with the Adam and JP shenanigans at adamandjp.com. And I love it when a podcast goes to the trouble of getting themselves a domain name. It just makes it so much easier than some of these shows that have these long ass names, and then you got to add more stuff to the URL to find them. So that's adamandjp.com. I'll just give them another plug because they actually got themselves a domain name. So congratulations to them. Uh believe it or not, Tyson, we are almost out of time. Uh what? Yes. <laughs> yes, already. Already, Epi 81 is almost done, but we still have one more thing to get rid of. <laughs> get rid of. Sounds like it's something it's something on the bottom of our shoe. Uh, it's our Burst-O-Durst with comedian Will Durst. Uh, here we have Will Durst uh, taking a playful stab at the ultra-rich.
11: Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few words of sympathy for the very rich. It seems as if our wealthy brothers and sisters are going through some tough times. Not financially. No, 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 They're doing very good on that end. Last year, the stock market rose higher than four twenty at a Denver dispensary on Jerry Garcia's birthday. Oh, they're comfortable all right, but becoming slightly uncomfortable. If you catch my drift, it's us nasty, poor people again. It seems we're pecking on them, you know, whining, complaining, hungry rather than pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps like they did when their daddy left them all that money. Cries of inequality have grown so loud that venture capitalist Tom Perkins was compelled to compare the poor to the Nazis. He said that Germany's 1% were the Jews and America's 1% are the well-heeled. And he did it in a letter to the Wall Street Journal. Well, of course he did. I mean, where do you think he got it published? Progressive magazine apparently affluence causes your skin to grow thin we have created an entire upper class that are extra sensitive to the slings and arrows tossed at their outrageous fortune many malcontents call for the man to have his analogy completed by tattooing a serial number onto his arm but in America, that anti-rich stuff doesn't really fly because most people are afraid that any restrictions on the loaded and bloated will come back to haunt them when their ship comes in and they start rolling in it. Then again, a recent study determined that 85 people in the world now control the same amount of wealth as half the population of the planet. 85 people have as much money as $3.5 billion. Just wondering... Can a run on guillotines be far away? For Suckatash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst.
1: That's Will Durst. You can find more at willdurst.com. He's also tweeting, and hopefully, we'll be doing more tweeting once I get done with him at Will Durst on Twitter. Um, you know, I always save the burst of Durst unless we have more than one for the very end of the episode. And again, just like the, the, the top. 10 most active shows I don't know if people listen to the Will Durst clip I don't know if they like it nobody ever says anything um, so it's it's just there it's a feature we offer Will provides it for free and um, who knows
2: I think people would miss it if it were gone I'm like if he suddenly decided not to put it in the show, I think they'd probably, I would hope that they would, because it's a great segment.
1: I think it's great. I think Will's very funny. Uh, he's got his fi- you know, finger on the pulse. He's been doing c- political comedy for over 30 years. And we're lucky to have him. So so there. That's what Absolutely. I'm supposed to say. Uh, That's T- the truth. Tyson Sainter, thank you so much for being uh, the co-host for this particular show. And it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, of course, is our associate producer, helping to supply us with clips. Um, I hope the experience has been a good one for you.
2: It has been fun. It's, and it's been an honor and a privilege to be here, uh, to uh, conversing with you on the, on the, yep, that's what happens when I thought leaks ahead. <laughs> there it went. Had to happen at least once. That's all right. At least
1: you waited until the very end of the show.
2: I just, I'm so, I'm so grateful. And, uh, it's been such a, it's been such a fun time actually, uh, fi- finding, um, these clips. I'm glad that, uh, and by the way, if if any of them are, uh, don't work out or if they're not really right for the show and for any reason, please tell me, cause I don't mind looking for another one if necessary.
1: Tyson, have you yet heard a, sh- a clip on this show that isn't right for the show? I don't have a, f- I don't have a, r- a format for this show. No, but
2: just in case, just in case.
1: Well, it's good I, to know. And and people, if you know, the smarter podcasts are going to start to realize, hey, if I want to get a clip on the show, Tyson Sainer is the guy I should be talking to, not this Hershon guy.
2: Oh, well, you know, and they can tweet me uh, if they want at uh, Rifty23 on Twitter. I'm I'm there all the time. You're all, uh, well, you,
1: well, you're there a lot. I'll tell you that, which is, uh, it's great because I'll go, hey, get me a clip. And like five minutes later, there's a clip and I go, this is fantastic.
6: It, it,
1: All right. Tyson, thank you so much for being part of the action, and uh, we will be back uh, next episode, and I'm trying to remember what I have. Oh, I have an interview with uh, Hal Lublin from the uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour. So that's going to be our main interview, along with more clips for episode 82 coming up next. But until next time, I'm going to let you say our catchphrase. How about that, Tyson?
2: Please remember to pass the psychotash.
0: You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, and on SoundCloud. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook... Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at MARC at Show.com. Or call into the Suckatash hotline at our non toll free call number, 818 921 7212. That number again is
6: 818 921
0: 7212. Suckatash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Harvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash. Goodbye. Special,
1: Special bonus, bonus interview. There we go. All right. Backstage. Well, sort of in the tech booth. <laughs> we're, mid, Cole, we're mid-stage. Mid-stage with Cole <laughs> Stratton at... uh at the 13th annual sketchfest sf sketchfest uh, and Cole has just finished his first speechless Indeed. performance uh, how how do you think uh, how how it feel it felt alright
23: you know like i think i would be better at it next time i think i did well but i think yeah. i would do great now that i understand how it how it works
1: yeah there's certain dynamics to the presentation process that uh, unless you've either done a lot of powerpoints before or uh, sort of this style of presentation before it's a little bit kind of tricky to pick up on the the rhythms of how do we how do you set up a slide you don't know what it's the content's going to be
23: right and it can be the exact polar opposite of what you just set up so you, you got to be specific but not too specific yeah and try to you know so sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and then half the time it's like we hadn't practiced with the device yet so you click it it doesn't do anything you click it again and it goes twice and
1: yes like, just like a real presentation right
23: and then people have seen <laughs> this slide that's after it when you go backwards so you're like well now that's not going to hit because it's already been, the surprise is already out, you know. That's right. So you're like, you know it's coming as a presenter next, so you just try to find a nice way into it.
1: But. Yeah, it's funny when we've had, we have presenters that have done this a number of times, like Edwin Z, who was up tonight, Is I think it's like his fifth time he's done it. So he knows the trick about going back and doing callbacks to slides you've seen before and things right. like that. And So he's more facile with the, the technology. But uh, you did a great job. Was, Thanks. Uh, very impressive.
23: Thank you. Yeah, I drew infomercial, which I was okay with. It wasn't one of my tops, but it wasn't the one I was dreading, which is app launch. I didn't want app launch. I was <laughs> like, anything but app launch, I'll be good. So I was fine with infomercial because I know who that guy is, you know. So that, it's not that hard to do. I want a movie pitch, but, you know, or eulogy. Yes. And I, those were the next two.
1: <laughs> I, was, I was in the first beta test show we did, and I, I drew um, Wedding Speech. Which is odd to think of doing a PowerPoint slideshow at a wedding I put
23: speech. that as one of my three choices, because they gave us a big, long list, said, pick picker top uh, okay, three, yeah. so we all kind of, you know, they could cobble the list down to things we all kind of wanted to do a little yeah. bit. And so, yeah, that one didn't make the cut of the final six or whatever, but yeah, the two was, of the three were there. It was
1: pretty fun. When, we, when I did it, we got a, a, two people up from the audience, a man and a woman, who were not even there together. And they, were, they sat on stage without saying anything in chairs, and they were the, the married couple. Right. That'd so awesome. it was like flashing back to th- things of th- through, through courtship, right. which was fun. Um, how's the uh, sketch fest going? You're uh, coming into the last week now Yeah, it's going really well. We've
23: got about a week left and you know we're very weekend loaded so like these weeknights are a little less stressful for us, but yeah, uh, it's going really well. It's just you know this weekend it's even busier because we had the Castro theater to the venues, which is giant. Oh right. So we have all kind of everything else, but then we have this giant theater on top of that, so it's even more places we have to be at
1: once. What's going on at the Castro?
23: A lot of film events were doing um, Revenge of the Nerds, 30th anniversary wow. reunion with pretty much everybody except for Anthony Edwards, everybody else. And I think he's kind of just the movie anyway, so what? that wasn't really going to happen. We have Timothy Busfield and Robert wow. Carradine
1: and Curtis Armstrong and everybody else, so it's, that's going to be fun. You know, the guys who wrote uh, Revenge of the Nerds and produced the movie were actually uh, my first managers in L.A. Oh, go figure. Yeah, which was kind of interesting. Uh, but they couldn't fast track my career, so <laughs> I don't know where they are now. I assume they're not going to be at the cast for the theater. I know.
23: No, just the cast.
1: <laughs> and what else?
23: And we're doing a Cabin Boy 20th Anniversary with Chris Elliott and director Adam Resnick. And Peaches nice. Christ is hosting it, who's this wonderful drag performer. Oh, great. Um, that'll be fun. We're doing uh, Benson Movie Interruption, uh, the second Twilight movie where he and a bunch of surprise <laughs> comics like okay. make fun of the movie as it goes. Uh, And Top Secret, I believe it's the 30th anniversary of that with uh, the Zucker Brothers. Pronounced Zucker, didn't know that. Did not know that, yeah, Yeah, interesting. Zucker Brothers and Jim Abrams are going to be there. And uh, that'll be fun. Val Kilmer? No Val Kilmer. We tried, we tried.
5: Oh, We did try.
1: You guys try hard, and you guys get some amazing people in at SketchFest. I mean, if you just uh, go to the website, uh, sfsketchfest.com. It's an amazing lineup of people. Not, I mean, not just this year, but every year it gets more and more amazing, it seems. Yeah, we seem to be able to
23: kind of hook a lot of big fishes nowadays. It's Now it, that we're established, people know who we are, and their friends have done it. It's easier to, like, go to these people and, and ask
1: them. And is that really kind of the main trick is the fact it's not a trick. You guys have been doing this now for this is the 13th year. So every year you go back and you say you probably get people to come back because they've done it before. But when you go to fresh people that have never been here before, what's kind of their reaction when you approach them?
23: Well, it helps if we have a personal in of some sort that, you know, so-and-so has done it so they can vouch for it or whatever. But if it's somebody who's completely like out of left field that we have no connection to and we have to go through representatives or whatever, You know, we'll just write, like, a nice, gushy, you know, email, and we'll kind of give a little bit of the history of the festival and a list of the people who have been here and, you know, pitch whatever the thing is that we're trying to pitch to them. And, you know, we we throw a lot at the wall and see what sticks. So some people you never hear back from, others you get a curt no from, and you know that they never even took it to that person. They just denied it. Yeah. And then, you know, down the road, all of a sudden, you'll just get an email from somebody or a phone call saying, hey, let's discuss this, and then you just kind of... Hope that it progresses from there.
1: That's great. and I assume the crowd's been good. I mean, tonight's a Tuesday night. and The place seemed pretty packed.
23: It was pretty packed. Yeah, we we, we do pretty well. Most of our shows are really well attended.
1: Uh, you know, we we've, we've you know, as as part of the production team that helped kind of get Speechless going, it's been amazing. We it's a monthly show at the moment, and it seems like every month we get an amazing turnout for these shows. And it's not like we've been doing it for less than a year at this point. So that's less than twelve shows, and we're getting these. Huge turnouts, which is great. Well,
23: it's a fun concept. I mean, that's what it really counts. There's so many improv shows out there. that are just like, we're going to do a herald or a montage, and there's not much to it. It'll be good improv, but you know, there's not anything. There's not a hook. This has got a good hook. Uh, and
1: just about. like you know what we saw tonight, where there's, there's always a, an audience volunteer uh-huh. that gets up. The by and large, the audience volunteers do a pretty good job because this isn't a skill set that people are not familiar with. Like if you do a herald or some sort of improv form. A lot of people just are unfamiliar with the form. But when you're doing a presentation, it's amazing. Particularly just close to Silicon Valley, people go, "Oh yeah, I know how I know what this is."
23: Right. And also I think with being an audience member, there's not as much pressure on you in the sense that they don't the rest of the audience doesn't expect anything from you. Right. Like if you're able to go up there and like you know legitimately justify one or two slides, you'll kill. Like they'll love you. Whereas, like, if you're one of the presenters, they, they expect a little bit more for you because, yeah. you know, you're a comic or whatever. So I feel like, honestly, if you come out of the audience and you've got any sort of chops, you'll yeah. do really well.
1: Yeah. Now, you're not just the co-organizer of Sketchfest. You also are the co-host of the Pop My Culture podcast. And you guys are up to episode, I'm going to say, I'm going to guess, 123.
23: A little higher, not much. Uh, 139, I wow. think we've released. So oh, right. or 138. Our next one's either 139 or 140. We have one in the bucket while I was here at Sketchfest that'll okay. release soon. Um,
1: you and Vanessa Ragland. Yep. And uh, how's that going for you?
23: It's going well. It's, Tired of it yet? No, we love it. I mean, we don't put a lot of pressure on ourselves to release in a very set schedule. We do about three a month. Okay. Um, which we tend to get out. But, like, we'll have weeks go by where we just can't get together and we don't do anything. And all we'll record three in one yeah. week. and. Yeah. You know, so it just kind of depends on when we can get a good guest in, and we like try to keep our guest list kind of a bar set in a sense that we're not just going to get a time filler on because we need to release or something. Yeah, we try to get good people in, and it's always fun to do. It's you know, it's so goofy and loose and fun that we don't really we haven't tired of it as of okay. yet.
1: Uh, any tricks uh, for people that are uh, hoping to get into the last weekend of Sketchfest to to get tickets? Is it completely sold out, or are there still tickets available?
23: Well, be so many shows that there's definitely tickets available for most of it. Okay. Um, and some places are huge the theaters, like the Castro's 1,400 seats. So other than the Benson interruption, the rest have tickets available, even though they are selling rather well. Um, you just go to our website at Sketchfest.com, just proves the schedule. If they're sold out, it'll say sold out next to it. But most of them have buy ticket links right there. Um, and there's all sorts of great stuff. Whether you want to see like an emerging sketch group and a small theater, or a big stand-up show somewhere with a bunch of people you've heard of on it, or a film reunion, or a show tribute, or some of the weird things we do. Like, we're doing a Shakes the Clown live read at Cobbs with Bobcat and Florence Henderson and Julie Brown and Tom Kenny. Fantastic. um, Just weird stuff like that that you're not really going (laughs) to see anywhere else, so... Uh, there's always something interesting, and most of our shows are, like, they kill. So, you know, it's, it's, you're gar- almost guaranteed a good time.
1: Beautiful. All right, yeah. Cole Stratton, thanks very much. Get back to uh, or- co-organizing Sketchfest, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. You bet. Thanks, Mark. All right, take care.